Welcome to the Church of the Geek podcast, episode number eight. As always, I'm David Hansen, and I am joined for Church of the Geek by Brian Bennett. We are a pair of geeks who are also passionate about our faith. We are both Lutheran pastors, I serve a congregation in Texas, and Brian serves in campus ministry in Pennsylvania. We'd love if you would follow our little podcast on Twitter, at Geek Church. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you tell your friends about us? In this episode, Brian and I look at the relationship between parents and children and how they shape our identities and our stories. So go ahead and slide into the back pew at the Church of the Geek and join us as we look at that all-important question, who's your daddy? doing a, a video chatting and just stopping in one spot and seeing how long, you know, before people think I'm frozen. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's so <laughs> exciting. Uh, Meredith, yes, indeed. Meredith Gould sent me this great uh, image uh, or image video of, of um, teleconferences in real life, which is just hilarious. Uh, I'll send you the link or I'll send out the link uh, via at Geek Church. Uh, video conferences, not video conferences, teleconferences in real life. It's hilarious. And it is like every <laughs> phone teleconference that I have been on ever. It's, it's just perfect. They, uh, they are, uh, fun. I've, uh, not had to do many, but the ones I have, oh yes. Whatever reason, I wind up doing a bunch. I don't know what the deal is, but there you go. Uh, I guess I just like being on the phone. I, I, I do like that video conferences are becoming more of an option. It's much better to actually see people. Well, plus you don't have to um, spend longer in the car than it took you, than, than the meeting itself takes. So. Oh, that's the worst. I did one of those this last week. Um, I had to go to Galveston and, and sit on the beach for a little while. Um, but I saw your photos. I saw your photos. It looked it looked horrendous. <laughs> it, it's the burden I bear, but it was a heck of a drive for a very short meeting. Um, which I'm happy to do from time to time, but if I had to do that more frequently, I would not be a happy person. Yeah, yeah, it's not not good. Hey Brian. Uh, hey Brian. Hi David. Hey Brian. David. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? <laughs> We're not in that kind of relationship, there, David. That's uh... <laughs> it's it's a brave new world, man. It's a brave new world. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I I, I was thinking. <laughs> I, th- I think you're turning a little red. I think you are turning a little red. There you go. It's, I, it's the it's the, it's the wind. It's, it's the, the wind. wind. Burn. Okay, it's the wind it, burn. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, end of a meeting. Maybe it's not this way in campus ministry. End of a meeting. Everybody stands up and gathers to say a prayer as they get ready to go, and you're going to pray. The Our Father. The Our Father. Yes, we are. Uh, almost every meeting, every worship service, almost every gathering. That's that's what we pray, and uh, um, that Our Father, and 
Well, we can come back around to it, but there's something in our faith about the relationship of parent and child that's really important. And mm-hmm. I think there mm-hmm. is in, in our world that you and I live in outside of the church walls, too. I think that in lots of ways, those parent-child relationships define it. So today's episode is, who's your daddy? Today's episode is talking about those relationships and how they shape uh, the world in which we live. Who's your daddy? And, and and there, I think there are some obvious places to start. I'm going to start us out with, uh, oh, here's one, definition by absence. Mm-hmm. The Batman story. And, and many others like it, of course, right? Uh, that, that the whole persona of who Bruce Wayne becomes is defined by who his parents were, right? There's no Batman without the funds to make it happen. And the fact that they are no more and, and what happened to them. Right. It's the, it's the, it's the murder of his father that creates Batman right. out of Bruce Wayne. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, a, that's a very clear one, I think. Um, he was he was clearly one that came to mind when we talk about that parental yeah. relationship. Um, no, it's it's really it's really important. Uh, we start talking about that parent uh, child thing right away, and precisely for the absence. Yeah, he, he's kind of key, but he also fits in. I think, like you said, there are a number of them. I mean, Iron Man is kind of the same way. But I've also, I've, I've said before, um, Iron Man is sort of the Marvel analog of, of Batman anyway. So right, right. That's not surprising that Tony Stark's dad is dead. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I think Green Lantern too. He had a. Uh, yeah. He has a uh, father relationship there as well, and it's an absent father. Yeah. So right. uh, that's an an issue as well. Yeah. Absent father Jor El is not around, uh, but he is. He is, and he is. Yeah. A- I, I. He changes things up a little bit. Yeah. Um, when we talk about. Because he's not there, and yet with the, within the Fortress of Solitude, he has those those um, that ability to s- somehow speak to his son, right? Pass on wisdom and and whatnot. Uh, and obviously, Superman is shaped by his relationship by with his father, not just his absence, but who his father envisions him, hopes for him to be. Yes, uh, seems to, to to shape some. Uh, so, so what are some others? Well, one of my goals in 2014 is to um, read through the entire uh, Wheel of Time series yeah. by Robert Jordan. Uh-huh. And I'm, I've, I've just finished the first two books. Okay. And in the midst of that, so Rand Althor is, is, the, is the person of sort of the main character, uh, a messianic figure okay. um, of prophecy. But um, so he is, uh, he is always struggling, at least here so far, um, with, with, an, with an identity crisis because he has been raised up in this very remote village always thinking he came from this thinking that his uh that tam is his father and it ends up he, he these these strangers come into town and start to talk about him perhaps being from somewhere else and he's like no tam is my father tam is my father and, and it, he continues to not believe it even though right um other folks are beginning to say you don't look like you're from that region you know, you know, and, and and it's slowly being revealed who he is, and and he so he is always struggling with that. Tam is my father, but yeah. what am I, and what's that? What's that happening? And so that's a that's a I think it's a vital part, at least so far. I don't know how long it will last in the series, but I um, maybe our our listeners can can speak to that too, since I'm only a couple books into it. But it's clear that that relationship with his father is vital and crucial in uh, in this time. Just thinking about how those families can shift. 
Battlestar Galactic. Uh, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of that or not. Um, but, yep. you know, as you watch that there, again, you know, sorry for the spoilers about the decade old show. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, but there are these characters who, who think that they're human. Their, their identity is wrapped up in being a part of, if you will, the human family. Uh, and they discover all of a sudden that they are not, in fact, human. And it absolutely shatters them to, and again, I mean, this is a bigger change than a family change, but sort of finding out where you're from. The phrase in this part of the, the country, um, if you took the uh, German word for maiden name and you did a literal translation, it would literally translate as uh, from home. Uh, and so the question that people in this very German part of the country ask is, who are you from home? Uh, which is a way of asking who your family is, who are you from home? Uh, and, and to have that change pulled out from underneath you and change just, I mean, that's such a dramatic moment in the story when they realize that who they were from home, who their family was, what their roots were, all of a sudden wasn't what they thought to the point that some considered no. taking their lives. Yes. Uh, well, you know, and, and Battlestar Galactic, that that has some other sort of parental child relationships. I mean, clearly Adama and and Lee, right, right, um, are constantly, yeah, struggling in that relationship. Absolutely. And then, even though Adama and Starbuck, right, have have a parent child relationship, wrestling, they they really do, and I mean that's really clear. Yeah. And so that whole notion of having to be sort of the commander and the father together, not just to his own son. But then also to Starbuck really is something else. So I sat down last night and I was cataloging through some of these relationships. Uh, and they are. They're defining these, these parent-child relationships. But I got to say, uh, on the whole, hmm, on the whole, our culture doesn't do well depicting mother-child relationships, which is odd. Um, particularly in geek culture, there's a lot of emphasis on those father-child, especially father-son relationships. But not a lot on the mother-child relationships. Do you encounter that as well, or is that my imagination? No, I think you're right. I don't think there's a whole lot of discussion around mother-child stuff. I, and partly, you know, I, I really kind of wonder that um, within the geek universe, if there was more conflict between fathers and sons, where uh, usually I would say probably the son is the the geek and the father's not, and and how that plays into sort of stereotypical gender roles and um, and such. Whereas um, there is, I would say, just perhaps a more likely reality that mothers were more accepting uh, of their children. Period. Than than that. Um, although it might also it could go the opposite way, where the father was a geek and the son is a you know is not. But but I suspect for the folks who are the content creators within the geek. Uh, universe that they are they struggle more with the relationship with their father than they did with their mom yeah that's just that you know um and you know it's like when i sit down and do premarital stuff with with couples and we start talking about families of origin um, our families of origin shape us yeah in great ways usually it's because we follow their patterns but sometimes we 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 identify ourselves precisely in opposition to our families of origin. Right. That I'm not going to be like that. And um, so, that I mean, that can go both ways. And so where I think the places we have for the greatest amount of conflict and strife, those are going to be the places where 
uh, we see stories taking place, I think, as we try to make sense of the world. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and I think there's something to the fact that uh, gate culture, until very recently, has been extremely male-dominated. And as a general rule, uh, men aren't great about writing stories about women. We aren't good at it, uh, you know, it, at least in my yeah. experience. Yeah, I, so I think I, think, the, I, think, the I hope that, that – sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You I was just going to say, I, I think I hope – I think and, and I hope that that's changing um, on the whole. Well, well, I think I think part of it is we're also seeing more female writers in in, in the in this in this universe anyway. Yeah. One of which I'll, I'll bring up is uh, Sherry Priest. She's uh, author of uh, the Clockwork Century, uh, her novel Bone Shaker. Okay. And in Bone Shaker, uh, which by the way, if you haven't read it, it's a it's a rip roaring read. It's steampunk and meets zombies and dirigibles and uh, set in the Civil War era. And it is, um, of course, the, the Civil War has gone on for 20 years, but um, the Bone Shaker itself takes place up in Seattle, where the Civil War doesn't doesn't really reach. Right. But uh, it, it you need that one because the other the other books in the series they're not they're not linear sequels. They they all link together, but only um, overarching. And her most recent one was Fiddlehead that came out, but she had um, Clementine Dreadnought. Ganymede, those are the ones that I know right off the top of my head, something like that. Anyway, so that series. In Bone Shaker, however, go back, it is a mother and son relationship that is at the center and heart of the of the novel. And um, the, the the premise of, of, uh, of it is that there is a portion of Seattle that was demolished by this machine, Bone Shaker, and it was kind of a mining machine, and it came up. Out of uh, up out of the places where it wreaked this devastation, um, this gas started seeping out of the ground and turning people into zombies. Of course. And so part of Seattle gets walled off from uh, it creates this wall off, and the son goes in there to find out because it was his it was his father who was the the operator and inventor of this machine, the bone shaker. He went in to find answers about who he was, um, and his mom went after him. Uh, pursued him into the uh, thing, and it is a uh, I, uh, here. Uh, this is why I say that you know, it's as women write more and more. Hopefully, we'll see more of these. Women. But that was a. Um, she actually then in in subsequent novels later on rises to prominence within the city, the walled off portion of the city, that which has its own culture and and stuff within it from the folks who are outside. So. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. That one is just uh, one example, I think, of of, yeah. uh, of a mother. So that it's it's really important. He he's driven there by his father. This the the notion of his father, but it's his mother who I think ultimately defines him. Good. Um, so, and, any others that come to mind for you as as you're thinking about um, how these relationships define the characters uh, as we go? Well, how about Harry Potter? There you go. Yep. Um, so much. Uh, Harry, Harry's Harry's um, gone yeah. parents, and there it's it's really the parents, not just the father or the mother. Yeah, and it really is but both. That that notion, because and that's a great example of 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 how the genre is changing a little bit because that is both, and it, it 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 involves you can't tell the story without both of them. Right, because if there were no Lily, Snape would never ever ever have done anything for Harry. Right, because it was his love for Lily that drove him to help Harry. Even though he he hated every bit of his father, 
Right. So that, that's a that's a mandatory had to have the had to have the mom. And again, that's a that's a woman who's writing it. Yeah. So here here's here's the interesting twist for me. I think that you know the the Star Wars universe, all six episodes has been defined in lots of ways by the parent-child relationship of Luke and Anakin Skywalker. And so what's going to happen in Absolutely. Episode 7 where that's not really an issue. I think I think they're going to take it a generation down. I think that's the plan is to take it one generation down, but still yeah, I think it's going to be an entirely different story where that dynamic isn't there any longer. Right. You know? I, I think it was really important that I was I think it was really important that that Lucas started with episodes 4, 5 and 6. Yeah. Because there, it is clearly, I mean, it makes it really clear that sort of that those all episodes one through six become the fall and redemption of of Anakin. Yeah. But you needed, I think, to start in the middle. Yes. To lay that groundwork, and then see where it, where it came from. Uh, right. Because there, Anakin has no father. Right. If 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 you follow episode one, which yeah. I know, writing mm, 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 your mumble mumble mumble, <laughs> yes, right, right, get off my so lawn, that, that, kids. Yeah. <laughs> right on. But Luke and uh, Luke and, and Vader then become that that really important sort of, and there the son right. brings about the redemption of the father. It's the, yeah, uh, yeah. That, which is perhaps the, the one difference in in that story. Uh, where it's not the uh, father redeeming the son or pursuing the son, the the son pursues the father. There's still good in him. I can feel it. Yeah, and I think that that's. I think that what we're hitting on for me, as I mentioned at the beginning, is is central to how we express and understand and talk about our faith. You know, who is Jesus? He's the Son of the Father. That identity, not just for Jesus, but then as we talk about it for ourselves, whether you're looking at how that parental identity and how it changes shapes um, these various different characters as they discover more about their family of origin. You know, it, it's nice, it, it's helpful, it's important to talk about who Jesus is in relationship to the Father, but also to talk about us as beloved children uh, and to understand that identity. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of our stuff, theologically, religiously, comes in not being rooted in that baptismal identity as children of God. You know, you... you Bruce Wayne has different parents. He doesn't turn out that way. You know, if his identity is not rooted in that, he doesn't turn out that way. You you change the family yeah. of origin for the characters of Battlestar Galactica. All of a sudden, their story changes. I think part of what we do is we spend a lot of time as Christians telling people what they ought to do instead of talking about who we are. And I think the conversation about who we are is a lot more important. Right. Uh our, our identity should drive our behavior and stuff. Not, um, we should not be trying to uh, drive people's beha- uh, behavior, but reminding them of their identity. And this is what we do. When it's so pivotal, it's it's so pivotal in ministries like yours when when kids are are figuring out who they are um, and and trying to find that identity. I mean that's I mean that's the crisis at that point in life. I mean yeah, it's really great to get an education. It's much more important to figure out, however, who you are in this world and in this life and who you want to be. And I think that's why campus ministries, outdoor ministries, those wind up shaping kids and, and kids and adults and all of us so much uh because that's what goes on in those things is finding out who we are. Yes, questions of of meaning and identity are crucial in this time period. 
And I am so incredibly humbled that I get to be part of those conversations and questions and wrestling and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's, it's absolutely vital. Because that identity, the, the identity uh, as a child of God, changes everything. Uh, I've written about this before um, on my blog and such, but I'll tell the story again because I, it's, it's, it was so important for me. When I was uh, a few years back, I was, I was a young dad. Uh, my, my, my oldest was only a few years old. And we, uh, our, our prayer routine at bedtime always closes with the Lord's Prayer. And there right. was a night when, as I'm trying to figure out my identity as a father and, you know, falling back into some, uh, parental things, some dealing with sort of general expectations of a father who has a son and what that means in larger society and all that sort of stuff. And we started out and we opened up and we started praying that our father and all we did was say those first two words, our father. And the word our totally changed that moment for me because I realized when he and I sat down and prayed, we didn't yeah. sit down as a father and a son, but we sat down as two uh, children of God. He was my sibling in Christ, my brother in Christ, not yeah. my son. And it was a it was right. a really formative moment for me. That is powerful. Yep, that's that's super powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm looking at uh, ye old uh, time piece, uh, and it looks like uh, we're we're coming up on time. Uh, we have not talked in a while and not recorded in a while. It is um, you may not know this when we let this out, but this is the end of January now, and and I guess we've not talked in about a month uh, or recorded in about a month. Um, so yeah. it's good to talk to you again. Same here. Uh, what what's the geekiest thing you've done since we talked last? I've started a new project. Um... Ooh, I love projects. Yeah, I uh, and I don't know how it'll end up, and um, it might become a blog or uh, or or something along those lines. But I I always have story ideas uh, and and writing. But I want to discipline myself to sit down and actually write on a regular basis, not sermon writing, which is a whole other discipline in of itself, which I've formed over ten years uh, so far, and that's fine. You're a campus pastor. Do you guys actually have to preach? Yeah, strangely enough, I do. Strangely <laughs> enough, I do. It's different. It's different here, but I also I'm out in congregations almost every morning, every Sunday morning. I, yeah. I know. No, 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 I no, know. It, no, it's a good question because you know most folks wouldn't even think about them. what. Do you, what? Yeah, yeah. Worship is still yeah. a central part of our life here in the campus ministry. Uh, so I've started. I and I've and I've been wrestling with this notion of this project kind of for a few years because I love the Psalms. And I think the Psalms uh, are are vital for us as as Christians. And and I and I haven't read it yet, um, but I'm glad to know that N.T. Wright feels the same way as I do. It makes me feel a whole lot smarter because he just wrote a little uh, piece called uh, "The Case for the Psalms," and it's all about sort of how the Psalms uh, shape Christian worship and and those sort of things. And I um, I really right. got to get a hold of that. Um, but <clears throat> so I want to take the Psalms and I want to um, sort of read them and then create pieces of fiction based on particular psalms that aren't, they're not historical, but they are science fiction, fantasy, steampunk, zombie apocalypse. I mean, I want to take, oh, I want to take those things. That's, that's my thing. I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, but that, that's really sort of what it is. I've started several of the stories and I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. Fantastic. How about you, David? What, what is the geekiest thing you have done? Oh, we had a geeky, geeky Christmas, um, and, and among the things we did was uh, we used uh, some gift cards that we got to buy, uh, well, uh, 
all the whole series of Battlestar Galactica. And so uh, in the last three weeks, we have watched, we're up to halfway through, three-quarters of the way through, uh, I think we're on season four. So almost you know, three and a half seasons in the last three weeks. We've also watched the first uh, two series of Doctor Who, which we also got on Blu-ray for Christmas. Um, so we've really, you know, we've kind of eschewed all other television and are, are watching through Doctor Who beginning to end. I mean, from Rose, uh, we're up to um, Don't Blink now. Uh, so we started with Rose. We're up to Don't Blink. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, we started, you know, at the beginning and, and we're, we're getting close to the end. We, we've discovered the first Earth that was destroyed, uh, and moving on from there. So we're, we're, we are, um, absolutely binging in my house. Uh, yeah. and it's phenomenal. Have you, had had you um, seen Battlestar before? You know what? I hadn't. I had seen bits and pieces. I had never seen the whole story the arc. Whole thing. It's phenomenal. Okay. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Really just, uh, eating it up. Yeah, my wife and I went through BSG on um, on Netflix, so we we had gone yeah. through the whole series on on Netflix. Uh, but that took us for our, my wife and I to actually sit down together. It took us probably a, a solid year or or so to. Oh no, we're yeah, we'll be done in a month. We'll be done in a month. I mean, it's just it, it's not made to be watched like this. But you know, you, there are so many continued episodes, and the storyline keeps moving. I don't know how you could watch it over. You know. I can't imagine watching this story broadcast because there's so often where it's, I mean, it's, it's midnight, it's one in the morning and, and it comes to the end of the episode and we say, well, I guess we'll watch one. Yeah. More. Okay. We'll do another one. Yeah. There, 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 there have been many weary, weary mornings because we were up too late watching either Battlestar or, or um, Doctor Who uh, just because the story kept going and, and we just couldn't help ourselves. So that's our life. Um, and it's a new year and new beginnings and uh, um, plowing through it. And uh, things are going great here in my ministry. Sounds like they are in yours as well. And that's phenomenal. Absolutely. So there you go. Stay geeky, everyone. Thanks for listening to this eighth episode of Church of the Geek. I hope you will connect with us both on Twitter. I am Rev underscore David. And Brian is at Brian underscore O underscore Bennett. Uh, in the, the weeks to come, we hope to be recording some episodes with special guests and hope you'll tune in to At Geek Church to hear more about that. Until then, geek be with you. Mm-hmm.